You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We turn today to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. My message does not have anything to do with America. I'm sitting there. God gave me another message while he was singing. But I think I'll stay with what our Lord placed on my heart about a month ago. We're in 1 Timothy 6. And because I just had you stand, I won't ask you to stand again. I'd like you to read with me 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. There's a word in here. In fact, it's mentioned twice. It's my message today. We'll look at some other scriptures. Well, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Let's stay together. Pause at the commas, the semicolons, the periods. Verse 6, ready, begin. But godliness with contentment is great gain. tremendous passage on money. I'm not speaking on money. I'm speaking on that last word in verse number eight, content. Verse number six, godliness with contentment. Just one word today, content. You know, very few people ever conquered that word. I know Adam and Eve never conquered it. God gave them everything but one thing, everything. The tree of life, don't touch it. But that's what they wanted. All of us have to recognize that we always desire more and go after more. That's why people beat their bodies down. That's why people will uh, lose their family because I want more. I'll, I'll stay away from my wife, my kids. I, I, I need to work this job, get more money, more things. We can buy more toys. But God says contentment's the answer. I think of a man by the name of Achan. He was serving right alongside a great man of God, Joshua. But, but all of a sudden, he saw a Babylonish garment and a wedge of silver and gold, and he said, I want that. And he took it, and the first thing he did, he hid it. He wasn't content what he had, and the leprosy of Naaman went to Gehazi because of his discontent. Uh, there's a man uh, by the, uh, Gehazi I just mentioned, and Achan was the same. Achan saw a garment. He saw silver. He saw gold. He said, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. He destroyed his entire family because he was discontent. King Solomon was the richest king ever. He had more wealth. They said the, in the Bible, First Kings, they, they lined the roads with the gold for sidewalks as they walked along the pathway of life. God gave three prohibitions, prohibitions to a king. said, one, you can't have a lot of horses. You can't get those horses out of Egypt. Two, he said, 
You, you, you can't have a lot of money. And three, you can't have multiple wives. Solomon had a thousand, seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. I don't know if that's a lot, but I would think it's a lot. I'm having one and I fail at being a husband for one so often. He had a thousand. Can you imagine his refrigerator to-do list? From a thousand women? They say the average man speaks 20,000 words a day, the average woman 25,000. Would you multiply 25,000 times a thousand women? That poor guy, no wonder why he went crazy. I'm, I'm, amazing, amazing. But we, we're on the stretch for more. Just got to have more. I need more things. God says, verse 6, would you, uh, would you read it with me? Ready, begin. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. To be content. What is content? And by the way, very few people perhaps in this room have even achieved that. Most are on the push and on the desire for more. What is contentment? Contentment is just simply enough. Don't need more. I'm satisfied. Just the way it is. Just like this. I've met people in my Christian life and I've been saved a long time all over this country that they still live in a little tiny cottage. It's clean, but it needs repair. And they've never really touched it. They've never had money for those things. And they live in little, little cottage, cottages. And many times you'll see an old pickup truck out front. And they're so content with the little garden out the back. They don't know what it is to have all these things. I've been in the countries of the world, and I've seen poor people. I've seen poor people that are discontent. I've seen poor people that live in huts. And Brother Poussin, you've been to so many of these countries and Brother Moyer and others that have been there. And I see they live in poverty, but so content. We have a Bible college that we help and support into the Philippines. And, and those kids that go to Bible college, not only do they sleep on bamboo sticks, but they made, uh, 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 they made uh, bunk beds but they have no air conditioning, that hot, no windows. It's an amazing thing to watch. And they work their job and they get enough for rice and they have a big boiling cauldron and they put their rice in there every day. Oh, I know there are wealthy people in the Philippines and there are wealthy, wealthy uh, cities in, in the Philippines and, and hotels that, that would, what would really make America's hotels many times look so, so second rate here. Beautiful hotels and beautiful buildings and beautiful restaurants, but a lot of poverty. You see those people coming out from uh, out of the uh, out of the uh, lower uh, down by the water, the river banks, and up those up those side of that, and they they catch a bus to go to school. Cleanest can be beautiful children. I think of some of the places where you guys have gone and back in the jungle to preach, and so pleased, and so happy, and so content. It seems like the more we have, the more we want. But. When a person is content, you see, sufficient, satisfied, I'm enough, I, I, I'm okay. I thought so much of my wife's grandparents and her parents and my grandparents and my parents. As far as I know, and I can remember going 51 years ago to Thanksgiving dinner at your grandmother's house. They came off the farm and moved in the city. I, I was thinking about it this week, that beautiful dining room set they had and the beautiful china that they had out that day 
I dare say not one piece of furniture is left in anybody's house. It's all gone. All the belongings of my parents are gone. Their tables, their couches, their chairs, their four-bedroom four house, it's all gone. You've never seen a U-Haul truck behind a hearse. I've been told that when we come into this world, the first thing, one of the first things you start seeing babies, they're, they're, they're starting to grab for things as they grow. And I know the Westerns say you die with a gun in your hand and shooting somebody. But I understand that when you die, you die with your hand open. We come into this world trying to grab onto everything. I've got to have more. So there's discontent. We're discontent. So many, well, so many in this world are discontent with their mate. That's why they'll be standing in front of judges this week and saying, I don't want this lady anymore. I don't want this man anymore. Discontent with our mate. Want to change your mate? Why don't you just say, I'm satisfied with my mate? I'm satisfied. I'm more than satisfied. not had COVID this week, but Miss Trevor's been very sick this week, and she missed Sunday school, but she came out, she's not all eating all week, and I've been sick, and, and uh, I don't have COVID, but I'm not going to the door, I'm not going to have anything that's going to spread, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I thought all week as I've seen her suffer, and she's not a sick person, very health, healthy, strongest lady I've ever seen in my life. I saw her laying in sickness, up through the night in sickness. I don't want a different mate. I'm so grateful for who God gave me. Stop trying to change your wife. Stop trying to change your husband. Contentment, I'm, I'm satisfied, I'm happy, I'm, it's so pleasant. To think that if the Lord tarries, one of us will watch the other one in a casket one day and see that loved one. God's been so good to me to give me a wonderful mate. I don't want to change my kids. Oh, I love my kids, our kids. I love my grandkids. For some reason, our grandkids have been so good to me this week. One granddaughter in Florida has been texting me several times. She's just made my week so, so special. My grandsons in Los Angeles, they, they've been texting me this week and, and, and talking to me on the phone. And Papa, I love you so much. I know their Nana as well. And then my grandson Landon was on the radio on Friday. He said, my dad and I, our son, my dad and I are listening to the program right now. This is Landon. I tell you what, I thank God for kids. I don't want to change. I don't want to lose them. I don't want to, I don't want to, so many, I'm just, I hate my job. People just, I, I'm not happy with my job. Well, get happy. Grow up. I'm not happy with my house. Well, what do you want? You live long enough, you're going to have to sell it because it's too big, too big to deal with. Well, I'm not happy with my area. I'm not happy with politics. I'm not, don't watch the news. I'm not happy with my, my, my job. I'm not happy with my paycheck. I'm not happy. So consequently, the result is you're always irritable. You're angry. You're in, in, there's instability. There's depression. There's these mood swings, male and female. 
There's attitude, there's restlessness, there's anxiety, there's bitterness because we're not content. There's hatred, there's loneliness, there's uh, the victim attitude, uh, there's sadness, there's frustration, there's turmoil, there's fear because we're on the stretch for greener pasture. Got to have more. I need more. I'm not content until I get more. I'm not happy with anything really in life. We make friends with people that appear to have more than us because we're not content. I'll get to the text, but we're willing to move anywhere in America, whether it's a good church or not, because we just want more. I'm not saying you have to stay, but, but this, every move in the Bible that wasn't a spiritual move became chaos. Abraham was in the earth of the Chaldees, and God said, I want you to leave your surroundings, your family, your home. He had to go 750 miles away to establish a land called Israel. That was a spiritual move. And it still is providing hope for generation to come 2,500 years later. More than that. I think of how Elisha had, a, had a, apparently a great farm. He had more than, he had 12 yoke of oxen. If you had one ox, it was, so he's probably a wealthy, wealthy man. But he's, he gave the oxen up to follow the man of God. That was a spiritual move. He wasn't moving to get more. He was going to follow God's will for less. That's what most of our missionaries do. That's what all these men, all the staff members, 75 staff members in this ministry here, that's what they've done. That's what most of you have done. Our staff could live anywhere in America and what they pay for a monthly rent, they could buy a palatial palace. And the older I get, I recognize the huge sacrifice they made for us and how they prepare the word of God and sing the praises of God and serve in this church. And oh yes, it could be easier financially and easier with lands and easier with everything else. I think of Nicodemus. He made a, a, a business change. He was a tax collector. When he got saved, he paid back fourfold and said, I'm done with things. I want to I think of all the disciples, undoubtedly successful fishermen, bending their nets, and Jesus said, Follow me. They gave up. You know, life is not about the accumulation of things. We ought to guard our, 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 our friendships and regard what creates discontentment. The prime example is Jesus. He who was rich, yet for your sake became poor, that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. He did that for us. He wasn't on the ground for, I need more. I need more land to conquer. It was already his. Gave up heaven to be scoffed and mocked and, and, and to be crucified for my sin and for your sin. I get back to my premise. Very, very few folks are content. Turn with me to the Philippians, please, because we find the word contentment there again. And in closing, which is our message, for it comes from this text. And when I say closing, don't think that we're done. Keep your shoes off, ladies, for a few more minutes. Don't put them on yet. We're not ready. But the Apostle Paul is in a jail cell. 
He had it made. He knew five languages. He was a leader of the sect of religion and, and they, they, they thought he was just a great man and people feared him and he ruled with all, uh, they hailed men and women that were Christians. And he got saved and he left all of that. He didn't have a place to pillow his head. He spent a night and a day in the deep. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. And he did it because he was content with God's will for his life. I'm challenging us today, stop being on the stretch for more. I need more. I've got to have better. I've got to have someone different in my life. This is what I need. The Apostle Paul is writing from a jail cell. The jail cells in this time were just uh, on the surface of the ground and then was dug out on the side of a hill normally a stony type hill because it was always damp and cold and they would lower a man down as they lowered uh, uh, Jeremiah down. They lowered Paul down in that damp, cold jail cell. And he writes us the book of Philippians, 104 verses. And 18 times he says, rejoice or joy. What, what created this contentment in a jail cell that he could write these prison epistles? I want you to notice with me, first of all, today, in Philippians 1.21, could you read verse 21 with me? Ready, begin. For to me to live is... You see, his contentment did not come in possessions. It came in a person, Christ. There's 104 verses in this book. And 104, 104 times he says, Jesus, Christ, Lord, God, Father, he was absorbed with God. He must increase. I must decrease. Let's get up tomorrow morning, Monday, and say, I must decrease today. I don't need more. I don't need more power, more position, more authority. If God gives it, that's God's appointment in my life. I am content. I'm satisfied. I'm okay. He made much of Jesus Christ was the one that denied himself in chapter two, verse five. He denied himself, he humbled himself, became unto death, even the death of the cross. Could you and I humble ourselves this week? Stop thinking so highly. I deserve more. I deserve a better this, a better that. I called my dad 50 years ago, 50, over 51 years ago or so, I called my dad and said, Dad, I got a roommate I don't like in Bible college. He stinks. Comes back from work at night, he just stinks and he doesn't shower. He stinks. He stinks. I need a different roommate. I want to go see the administration, see if I can get out of this room. My dad said, Son, I won't do that. Dad, he stinks. I open that window, he stinks, he, it's not enough. he just stinks, he smells, he doesn't shower properly. My dad said, son, God is preparing you for something. I don't know what he's preparing you for, but why don't you just be content where you're at? Why don't you let God work it out? You know, I don't know what, how God used that in my life as far as I didn't get the roommate changed. But I know God's working all things together for good, for my glory, for his glory, for my life. 
Make much of Jesus tomorrow. Get in the car, keep the radio off. Don't listen to the news how bad it is. And let's just talk about Jesus, the King of Kings. Why don't you go through the alphabet and say, Jesus, you're almighty. Uh, Jesus, you're the bread of life. Jesus, you're Christ. Jesus, you're the door. Jesus, just go through the alphabet. Tell him how, then go through uh, the next several miles and just talk about how great he is. Oh, and sing how, as a trio, how great thou art. They didn't sing that on accident today. God must have led them to those kids to sing that because we ought to carry that song with us all week and speak much of Jesus. I tell you how he was content in a jail cell. He found contentment in Christ. He found contentment, notice in chapter three, in a goal, verse 14, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He wasn't pressing for toys. He wasn't pressing for possessions. He was pressing for a goal. The goal was for Christ. Notice chapter 3, verse 20. Thirdly, he found contentment in the future. Verse 20, our conversation, our behavior is in heaven. For once we look for the Savior, look at chapter 4, verse 5, talks about the same thing. Let your moderation be known, for the Lord is at hand. He said, you know, Jesus, today you might come. I got up this morning like I do every morning. And I began to try to walk with God and pray and sing and talk about him and read of him. And I prayed the same prayer. And there's many things I pray, but I, one of my first prayers every day, God, today, I'm going to get to live today. Or I'm going to die today. Or I'm going to be raptured today. And if I live, and if I die, or if I'm raptured, oh God, I want to be ready. Help me to stay right and clean. Help me stay right with people. Help me to be sensitive to the needs of my wife and my family. God, help me. Please help me today. Oh, I'm going to a city. The choir sang about that. I have no castles, nor earthly kingdoms. My cabin will do till I get home. Just built my mansion next door to Jesus. Soon and very soon, we're going to go see the King of Kings. All this sorrow and heartache and trials are going to be over. And I get to step, just take a step on shore and call it heaven. By touching a hand and finding God's breathing new year. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin this day with depression, discouragement. I need more. I need more. Oh my goodness. God has given me more than I ever deserved. I think of how he's used you people. Just a few weeks ago, I had my 34th birthday <laughs> or whatever it is. My mind's fairly good most of the time, but sometimes I forget. I don't believe a church has ever been kinder or better to a pastor. I don't know how I could ever, I don't need things, folks. You're so good to my wife and I. What God's done in my life, he's given me more than I could have ever thought or dreamed. I've not deserved to be the pastor of a church like this of people like this. I have so many friends that are resigning the ministry right now. They're retiring younger than me. And if that's God's will for the one today, another one, the one last week, 
And, and I have so many guys leaving their churches and we're looking for pastors that I don't know God's will for their life. They do. And I, I don't know all God's plan for my life. But I do know this. Whatever it is, God's been so good to me and my wife. You've heard me tell the story of Dr. Curtis Hudson. And though I always prayed for a college and a radio station and all these things that God's given, took 31 years for the, the radio, God to do it. Curtis Hutchins was preaching. He said, I'll tell you why you have in the old building all these things that you have here, these buses, these ministries, all these, because that man saw it. And I looked. And he said, didn't you see it? And I didn't know what to say because I didn't see that. We built out that, that auditorium sat 60 people. And we built it out to sit 198 chairs. It was the fall of the year. My wife had gone to see her family. And Jim Carrey and I were working on, and we expanded the walls. I, I on a, probably it was a Friday morning, about four o'clock in the morning, we finally got done. I went in that pulpit, and I looked at those 198 folding chairs. I said, oh, dear God, what have I done? How in the world will we ever fill 198 chairs? And God knows that's a true story. You know, it's an amazing thing that God takes the weak, the base things of this world to confound. Look what God has done. I see I'm already out of time. I want you to see number four. He found it in controlling his mind. I want you to see chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, loving, good report, just think on these things. He controlled his mind. He said, I'm not going to think about the negative and what else I need and the more and then I want you to see, he controlled his behavior. What things you have both learned and received. You know, this thing of having enough, it ought to be learned. I started a few years ago. Every day of my life, I try to give something away that I have. Not junk. I want to, if I ever it's junk, I put it on Brother Cooper's desk. <laughs> and he knows that's true. But every day of my life, I try to find something I like. For years now, I give it away. I've given away my Bibles to people that want them. I, I've given away books. I've given away ties. You come up to me and say, I like that tie. If it was a gift for someone else, I'll not give it to you. But it, I, it, if you like this tie, I'll give it to you. I, I want to I get rid of things. I want to purge things. What now? I don't want my family to have to go through rubble of things I collected. That's learned behavior. Because really, I accumulated all those things because I got them. But I've learned, as Paul said over in First, whatsoever state I am to be content. If God doesn't give you something that you want or desire, leave it alone. For the sake of time, let me just give you one more. Verse 18 of chapter 4. He found contentment in what he had. I have all and abound and I'm full. 
He said, I don't need any more. He didn't have anything. He was in jail. He said, I don't need any more. I'm not asking you to live like paupers. I'm just saying, let's be content with God. God gives you this, and it's a real blessing. Praise him for it. God gives you nothing there. Just thank him for it. Give us this day our daily bread. What God's given you, just be so grateful. Stop complaining. We're not prepared for the next step in our lives until we've reached contentment in the present assignment where we find ourselves. And what we do, because we're not happy with our assignment, we go create something else, and that what we create is going to destroy us. I've been singing this song. I thought it might be in a name, some shiny legacy. I thought it might be in a goal for success to follow me. I thought it might be in a plan to sail across the seas. But I did not find what I really need till I found Jesus. I found it all. When I lost everything, I gave my life to serve a risen king. I found the truth that I've been searching for. I found it all. When I found the Lord, that second stanza, I'm letting go of all my ways that I think are best for me. I'm laying down all my ideas of what I think life should be. I'm leaving everything I have right at the feet of Jesus. For it's here that I find everything I need. I found it all. I found it all when I lost everything. I know you get tired of me talking about my parents, but I watched them when 1959, 60, and 61, they lost their business. Prior to that, we were okay. We had money. My last part of my life at my folks' home before I left for college was poor. I watch us lose things. And we moved into that two-room bedroom house. I was just over there in Stockton a couple weeks ago. And I went down that beautiful place and I looked at that house and it used to be beautiful in the late 50s and now it's not beautiful. It's drug infested. I looked at that place. I can recall mother and dad, we'd be up in that second floor in those two bedrooms, no kitchen, no living room, nothing. But my mother and dad taught me contentment by example when they lost everything. My dad still sang. We had to sing quiet at family devotions for the other rooms that were rented out. We ate at the park across the street. I took a picture of breakfast over there. We ate dinner over here at Oak Park at night. We'd barbecue every night. When my parents lost everything, they didn't lose God. My dad would still write his check, Calvary Baptist Church and tithe, still stayed in the choir, still went to work hard, got a different job, start paying. I saw my dad 10 years, never got a new suit, and he was a salesman. I literally saw my dad's shoes. He was always clean. His shoes were always shine. And I can remember looking at the bottom of his shoes one day and they had holes in them. And he had placed cardboard 
in those shoes. I never knew we were, I never knew, I never knew we were poor. I thought it was wonderful. Stop the discontentment. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.